The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by one of the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner. Uh, Will had a family issue go on, so he's going to miss this episode. We're here to do a brief recap of the Titans' Monday night loss to the Houston Texans. We're going to spend a majority of our time previewing really the rest of the season and especially their upcoming matchup against the New York Jets back here in Nashville. First of all, to a to really help us dive into recapping the Texans game, we brought back on a guest that we had over the offseason. His name's Johnny Kinsley. He's on Twitter, at BrickWallBlitz. He's one of those film analysts. And we brought him on to uh, to dissect the Titans coaching this season and to really kind of in-depth recap of, uh, of the Monday night game. So Will and I had a chance to talk to him earlier in the week. We'll play that for you now. Let's just start with this offensive line because – I keep. I've been a Derrick Henry truther for a while, saying that I don't think he's very good. And I get these people in my mentions. They're like, "No, it's not his fault. It's the line." Those things aren't mutually exclusive, though. So, so, so let's break each of those two things down, starting with the offensive line. You're the film guy. Why have they been so bad? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this clearly has not been the same offensive line it's been in the past, and. I think as I think as a whole, it it, it, just, it goes down to uh, individual talent. Uh, Taylor, Taylor Luan's basically the only good offensive lineman on this team now. Every everything else, the center, Ben Jones, right guard, Josh Klein, right tackle, Jack Conklin, it's all pretty bad. Uh, we we knew coming into the season that the guards were going to play a problem. I just didn't assume that Conklin would play absolutely awful i mean he 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 was pretty bad last year in comparison to his rookie season where he was uh i think he was an all he was if he wasn't all pro he was uh, a pro bowler but um uh more specifically uh i think the uh decline in uh quality protection can come from uh somewhat of a scheme change because matt lafleur is more of a pass heavy kind of guy he's more of a pass happy kind of guy whereas mike malarkey would set up his uh offensive line to uh run the ball so there wasn't really much of a much much of a need to have him uh pass block quite as much i mean they did but it wasn't really a liability because this is a run heavy offense so that was that was how they were designed but with uh with lafleur's scheme they haven't been really able to adapt, and that's been a surprise considering that some of the players like Lewan 
did have the athleticism to adapt to a zone blocking offense, and that's just not really what we've seen so far. But um, uh, especially last night, uh, they they have not been able to uh, protect against some of the more uh, intimidating defensive lines that they've come across. The Texans are a team that uh, whose whose defense just absolutely overwhelms the uh, offensive line. That's that that wasn't that wasn't really something that we saw. Uh, in the in the week two matchup, but that was something that we were able we were able to see in the week twelve matchup because they got uh, JJ Watt, Davion Clowney, and those two guys have the freedom to line up anywhere on the offense. They can line up in a gap. They can become straight up uh, edge rushers, whatever the, whatever uh, Romeo Cannell wants them to do. And uh, they also have capable guys like Chris Covington. I think I think his name is Angel Blackson or D'Angelo Blackson, but former uh, Titan. I th- I th- yeah, yeah, for, yeah, former former Titan, and they they have those capable guys. Uh, also, Whitney Merciless had a really good game against the Titans too. So and w- when you when you combine the uh, uh, the liability on every every everywhere on the offensive line outside of uh, left tackle. And the uh, overwhelming pass rush of Clowney, Watt, Merciless, etc. Uh, you get results like you did yesterday. But because of what you mentioned with the change in pass blocking to a more pass-oriented scheme from a, the exotic smash mouth, if you want to call it that, that, that Terry Robisky ran, were you surprised when the Titans elected to re-sign Josh Klein to the contract that they gave him? Um... Kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I did understand why they did it because I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't think there was a lot uh, available because Josh Sinnon went to uh, the Dolphins and uh, Andrew Noel went to the Jaguars. I think his season's done now. But uh, I don't think there was a lot of um, assets available in free agency at the time. So I think that uh, re-signing, uh, what was it, Klein? Yeah, Klein. Um, I, I guess I guess made sense at the time, but I think that it's an extreme liability right now, and I think they should move on from him after the season. Yeah, um, the offensive line's a complete mess. I, I think a lot of it has to do with coaching, but I want to talk more about the running backs for a second. One of my, I guess, excuses for Lafleur at this point is he's never had to coach around a team with a bad running game. So uh, last year he got Gurley, and before that he was in Atlanta with Coleman and Freeman. So he's always mm-hmm. had who could get, you know, if there was open space, they could get chunk yardage. I just, I, I don't want to put too much on the running backs, but they're clearly not guys who should be carrying an offense. Would you rather see them go out and add like a premier inside offensive lineman like Saffold from the Rams this offseason, or would you rather them try to – fix the offense through an improved running game with a better running back. I think getting a guy like Saffold would uh, be more, more of a benefit to uh, the Titans running game than uh, actually getting a, another back. Um, I actually, I actually don't understand why they're keeping Henry at this point, considering they don't really use him all that much. And if like, if, if they're not using him, like I felt they should have traded him. Because uh, they they've seemed to move on from him in the starting role more of a sense because they got Deion Lewis who um, is the guy that you definitely want and uh, uh, when when the stakes are a little more crucial when you're when you're trailing or you're you're in a uh, the the, uh, the two minute drill trying to win the game but um, I think getting a guy like Roger Saffold is uh, way more important 
than um, getting a ba- getting some guy in the backfield because um, if if you if you have a strong interior, that means you're able to run this uh, this sort of uh, inside zone blocking offense that the Titans seem to want to run, but they're not really able to because their offensive line is terrible and the backs uh, don't really seem to fit this natural this uh, this scheme in a way. So um, I think I I do think Saffold is uh like if if he is available in the offseason, I think he's more of a uh, necessity than uh, getting a running back. When we had you on over the offseason, you dove into the fact that you thought Terry Robisky, the old offensive coordinator's system, was holding back not just Marcus Mariota, but really everyone on this offense, Corey Davis. But you clearly have some problems with the way that Lafleur has been running things this year, and I think really everyone does. But what specifically are your issues with with how Lafleur is is managing this offense? It seems like we've come full circle. Um, it's it's kind of similar to the uh, the criticisms I had with Mike Malarkey, except with a different kind of scheme and style. He, okay, this this is the guy that. Uh, came from the uh, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay offenses Mm -hmm. just to have a tight end single blocking J.J. Watt on Monday night. Yeah. Yeah, that, like, I, like, when I saw it, I was like, what, what, what was going on? Like, what is going on? What are you doing? Okay, like, like, it's, like, first up, it's bad enough to have a tight end covering one of the best defensive players of our generation. It's even worse to have him, like, single blocking him. He's the only guy blocking him. It makes no sense. But more, more on the line, um, his play calling to me has been extremely inconsistent. At its best, it's definitely better than um, what we saw from Mularkey and Robisky last year because it, uh, it puts more emphasis on Mariota's quick passing style of um, – yeah, passing. I already said the passing. But, um, it puts more emphasis on uh, Mariota's quick passing. But um, it, I, I, I do want to give him the benefit of the doubt because – there's there's really like like two good skill players on this like two, or at least two consistent skill players on this entire offense. Corey Davis is the only good receiver on this team that isn't hurt, and uh, Deion Lewis is the uh, underneath uh, safety net that they should utilize uh, a little more in the passing game, but they don't really don't. Um, but, but but really, uh, I think that, like the Houston game really uh, exemplified just how frustrating this uh, this coaching staff and specifically Lafleur's scheme is because uh, I, I have, I have the stat uh, from that game. They ran up the middle eight times against that Texans defensive line that I mentioned is really good. And here, here are the results of all eight runs, two yards, one yard, zero yards, zero yards. Again, minus five yards, five yards, one yard and seven yards. That's 11 yards on Eight runs up the middle, and the crazy part is they kept doing that. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but two of their drives in the fourth quarter, when they were down two to three possessions, started on a run. Yeah, they both started on a run. They were down 17. Uh, they forced a punt, or no, they, they had a touchdown. Um, let's let's backtrack a little. Uh, they they stopped the Texans. Uh, they they forced a punt. I think they're down 10 at the time. Their first play is to run up the middle, which makes no sense. Then, uh, after that fails completely, uh, the Texans score a touchdown. Uh, they're down 17. What is the first play of the drive? They run the ball, which 
makes it makes no sense. Like why would like unless you're trying to protect Mariota when like and let's be honest, I don't think they really were focusing on that because they put John Smith on JJ Watt, which is mind boggling. If you're protecting him, like that that would make sense, but they weren't. So why are you running the ball down seventeen? And even even worse, like there was there was like six fifty four left in the game and it was fourth down and they punted. Like, okay, I guess they're giving up. But they sacked JJ not JJ Watt, that would be word. Uh they sacked Deshaun Watson with uh I think that like like a minute fifty two left in the game. And that's when that's when Mike Vrabel uses a timeout, which is insane because they're down seventeen and like it it seems pretty pointless just to keep this going. Like it like if you wanted to be in this game you wouldn't have punted uh, down 17 with less than seven minutes left in the game. That's three possessions, which means that's three drives you have you have to um, you have to successfully make in order to j- just like uh, take the lead in this game. With 152 with 152 left in this game, you're you're only going to have time for like what two drives at most, and they only had time for one because of that Derrick Henry fumble. But um, I like. I honestly really wouldn't fire anyone or like more specifically since this is about LaFleur, I wouldn't fire LaFleur because I think that they deserve to uh, get a chance to get a wide receiver, get a better interior offensive line, specifically uh, the guards. I think they're more of a uh, liability than uh, than center right now, but LaFleur deserves, deserves to have like at least like one more year with a, a second wide receiver because it was a problem going into the season. It's still a problem in the season. Um, deserves that. Um, but I would hold him to, a, to a, a short leash if things don't improve. What's your evaluation of Mariota this season? I mean, he, he's been up and down, clearly. He had the nerve injury. <clears throat> he missed uh, practice earlier, you know, last week. Some people are blaming him for the sacks that he's taking. Just in general, how do you think he's played this season? I actually think he's played uh, relatively well. Um, yeah, uh, mon- not yesterday. Monday Monday night was kind of the game where uh, a lot of people were blaming him for what they saw were like empty stats. You saw that from the uh, the ESPN Monday Night Football crew, which I imagine a lot of Titans fans are not very fond of. But um, here's the problem. When when uh when Burger McFarlane said that uh, they needed to open uh, a passing game, it's just like they can't. The, like the the only yeah. reason they were able to, to uh, get that touchdown to Corey Davis is because it was an aberration. It was an aberration. It was one of the few times where they were able to open the game vertically and they couldn't do it because when you ha- when you have a guy like Corey Davis, like he's your only guy that can, that can uh, stretch the field vertically. It's easier to game plan for him because you can double block him. You can make sure you, you can shut him down and make sure that he doesn't get open downfield because no one else on that Titans roster can. You can't trust anyone to do it. Taewon Taylor, um, he like he like he wasn't playing that well, but he had some kind of experience. And Delaney Walker was definitely a guy that could stretch the field vertically. He was one of the best receiving Titans in the league, or is. Um, he's done for the season. Um, Ty, like Tajay Sharp had some has some consistency. He's definitely more consistent than anyone else on this Titans uh, team. And then he then he got injured. Um, I think on that Corey Davis uh, reverse when he, when he got hit in the back or whatever happened to him. Um, but 
this was a problem coming into the season. This was a problem coming into the season. Uh, I like, I like, this isn't like any, any sort of like hindsight bias. Like I really thought they, they should have signed, uh, Allen Robinson or Sammy Watkins coming into the season, or maybe, like maybe perhaps, uh, like I, I, I do know that they, they really didn't have like a lot of picks in this year's draft. They had like four. So, yeah, um, and, and one of them I, was Luke yeah. Falk. Yeah, that, that was a disaster from uh, the beginning. That that was not that was not really good. But but it, it was also like a sixth round, so like it's it's very hard to like expect any one of your picks to become like the next Antonio Brown or whatever. But um, more, like back back to Mariota. Um, I think for, for for the most part he's played well. Like um, the, the he he's he's definitely had some down some down moments like the uh the week one opener against dolphins but that that was more along the lines of him being injured and not having any feeling in his throwing hand and uh the colts game where he had some really uh poor decisions that interception he had was probably the worst throw i've ever seen him uh attempt and uh he uh i think i think on a play he got injured he actually missed Deion lewis in the flat so he's definitely had some down moments but for the for, for the most part i think uh he's getting way too much criticism Considering uh, the scheme is highly inconsistent, the offensive line is terrible, the receiving corps is terrible outside of uh, Corey Davis and occasionally whoever else can uh, provide an aberration of like 60 yards and a touchdown from time to time. But um, I think Mario is playing well. And I, I, I get it. Like, like, like some, some fans are frustrated. This might sound like an excuse at this point. And to be honest, like I don't blame you. If you feel that way, but I personally think that Mariota is not is like he's getting the shorter end of the stick here, and um, they like they they really need to draft around him or improve everything in free agency. Johnny, thanks so much. We always appreciate it. Uh, thanks for your time and good luck keeping up with these next five games. You're going to be interesting to watch. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Yep. All right, uh, we appreciate Johnny coming on the show. Now it's just uh, Matthias and me. Let's get into talking about this matchup against the New York Jets. But first of all, really outlook for the rest of the Titans season. How do you see it? You know, it, it's tough for me because these last two losses have been really bad. The defense has just completely collapsed. Um, and the offense, they they really the offense really sputtered against the Colts. Uh, it didn't look bad against the Texans, all things considered. Um, but you know, two losses in a row, now sitting a game under 500, and in that little cluster of just like half of the AFC fighting for what seems to be really only one wild card spot. It doesn't seem like the Titans are in a good position, uh, especially given their conference record and their head-to-head record against some of the teams that they're fighting for a position with. But, I mean, every time I look at the schedule, remaining schedule, I just keep thinking, I don't, I don't know. How can this team not go 9-7, and seven, you know? I mean, they get the Jets. But is 9-7 and seven good enough to get in? Because the know, Chargers I'm are going to be a wild sure. card team because the, yeah, uh, the, the Chiefs have been spot. so outstanding. There's one spot. Yeah. And it's either... It, there's... Hmm. Indianapolis. It, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, Indy's Indy's on fire. There's there's no denying it, uh, and I still think the Ravens are probably better than any of the other teams uh, that are that are fighting for a position now. 
Um, but Lamar Jackson's going to get exposed by the end of the season, I feel like. Maybe, maybe. I, although Flacco's back at practice, so they might just put him back in. I, I don't know why. That's what they I would. would. Do. I, I would. I, I would keep Lamar Jackson in, but that's just a personal preference. Um, we'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, w- we get the Jets, the Jaguars, the Giants, the Redskins with Colt McCoy, um, and then you get a matchup against the Colts in Week 17. I, I want to believe that that last game of the season is going to decide maybe the last playoff spot. But, yeah, I, I just don't know right now. You, you never know yeah. on any given week which well, Titans team is going to even show up. And, and the really tough part about all of this when it comes to the wild card is they're not winning the division. That's done. It's, it's, it's either it's, Houston it's, or Indy. But um, for the Titans in terms of the wild card, two of the teams ahead of them, Baltimore and Miami, have tiebreakers over the Titans, mm-hmm. which is I th- I th- bad for them. Yeah, yeah. It, it they they're probably going to have two two tiebreakers over the Titans because the Titans have a three and six conference record. All of their losses have come against AFC, um, and that's the worst record um, of all of the teams that are still vying for for a playoff spot. Uh, and then add in that. Like you said, the Ravens have the tiebreaker. The Dolphins have the tiebreaker uh, because of head-to-head. And even the Bills, who, I mean, I don't think they have a chance, but they're 4-7. and seven. Uh, They're only one game back of the Titans. They even have the, the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Titans. So it's really not a good position. Um, yeah, and I didn't mention the Colts having the, the head-to-head tiebreaker because we need to beat them Week 17 regardless, so that would even it out. But yeah, there are a lot. There are a lot of things going against uh, the Titans at this point. Pretty much the only thing you can cling to is that the schedule is pretty light, uh, and for the last five games, come at home. And for that reason, being really by virtue of the tiebreaker, a game and a half behind Baltimore, and a half game behind Miami, I think you have to win out if you're the Titans and you want to make the playoffs. I do not see. Nine and seven being better than the Dolphins or the Ravens. It may be as good as, but they're going to lose the tiebreaker. Yeah, I, I mean, if we want to look at the schedules, we, we can go through it. Even though, like, we have no idea what's actually going to happen. Yeah, but, and, on, and that's the thing uh, about all of this. Week. I mean, <laughs> Ryan Tannehill could go down again and the Dolphins lose all their games yeah. or, the, you know, the Ravens. You never really know, but it's unlikely. Yeah, so if we want to focus in on the Ravens and Dolphins, um, the Dolphins have the Bills, the Patriots, Vikings, Jaguars, and Bills. Um, so I'd say they'd probably lose to the Patriots and Vikings, um, and I think they'd probably split with the Bills. So I- I'm not sure the Dolphins are all that good. Uh, when it comes to the Ravens, they have they have to play these next two games at Atlanta. Even though Atlanta's not great at Atlanta, it's always tough. Uh, and then they have to play at Arrowhead. That's probably going to be a loss. Uh, then you get the Buccaneers, which is easy. But then they play at Los Angeles Chargers, uh, and then they close out with the Browns. So that could potentially be three losses. Uh, I think that's going to be two with the Chiefs and Chargers, and I don't know about the other games. So, I mean, there's definitely a path for the Titans, uh, but they need some help, and, and they kind of put themselves uh, in a bad position. And when you look at the Titans' schedule, I was just talking to someone about this. You know, it's not five – the first four anyway against uh, the Jets, the Giants, the Redskins, and the Jaguars, not in that order. Mm-hmm. 
those aren't just games that are winnable. Those are games that if you're good, you should win. Washington doesn't have a quarterback. The Jaguars are, are a train wreck disaster. The Giants haven't won a game in months. And now, granted, they have Saquon and Odell Beckham, so there's always that. But still, that's a team you should beat. And then the New York Jets are really bad. So those are four games. If the Titans want to prove that they even deserve to be in the playoffs, those are four games you got to win. And I think, honestly, there's not a terrible chance that they that they do win those games. I, I think that's, that's probably within the realm of possibility. The challenge becomes when Andrew Luck brings the troops into Nashville Week 17, how's that going to go? Because I think there's a chance they win these next four, and then that game ends up being the disaster that keeps them out. I think you're right, and I don't want to think about that scenario. Uh, but it, it really does make sense. I mean, none of the none of the next four teams are, are good. The, the Jets are they're, they're really bad. And three of the games uh, are at home, kind of, and the Titans don't lose at home. Yeah, yeah. That 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 that's why that's why there's there's hope to cling on to. Um, but then when you really think about it, why do we have any? I, I, honestly, I don't know if we're going to beat the Giants on the road, to be honest I, with you. I, think that I honestly think more than the Indianapolis, that's going to be the tougher game just because of the weapons. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, Saquon and Odell Beckham, the Titans got to stop those guys. right? you, you got to put Bayard yeah. over. We'll, we'll talk about that, obviously, in a couple weeks. But, I mean, you got to stop them or they're going to beat you. Yeah, and especially if if we can't get pressure on the quarterback – uh, and if you can't get pressure on Eli, he's just gonna he's just gonna throw these little five yard routes to either Saquon or Odell Beckham, and they're gonna move the ball all over the field. So that's gonna be a tough game. I, we're not previewing that game, but that is a game that worries me just because it's not at home. Yeah. Um, and the Giants really don't have anything to play for. And sometimes when these teams um, don't really have anything to play for, they actually play a little bit more looser um, and come up with some of these trap game victories. Uh, kind of what we saw in 2016 with the Jaguars uh, when we lost to them in Jacksonville. Uh, they had just fired their coach. Uh, their season was over, but they just played really loose, uh, and they they wrecked us, honestly. So uh, that's a game that kind of worries me. And then I don't know why we would assume in any way that we're going to be Andrew Luck week, week 17. We have literally never beaten him, um, so there's no reason to to expect a victory, even though it's at home. Last thing before we dive into the Jets, I want to talk about the offensive front because we talk all the time about defensive front you know, with Rashawn Evans and Casey and all those guys. But the offensive front has been bad. Like, Taylor Lewan, fine, whatever. But Conklin's been bad, and I think he'll obviously get that turned around. But particularly Josh Klein and Ben Jones – have been playing like they're on roller skates for the last three weeks. They're constantly in the backfield. And, look, I don't think Derrick Henry's that good. And, frankly, I don't think Deion Lewis is all that good. But it's not all their fault. No, it's – I mean, I, I, I think I tweeted this at someone earlier in the week um, that I don't, I don't think anyone can argue, really, that Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis have been bad. They just have been. They haven't been good. They haven't really been creating – um, a lot of yards. Um, Deion Lewis has had a couple runs after contact that have been good, but he just dances way too much behind the line, uh, and he doesn't really get anywhere. Uh, we, we've beaten the Derrick Henry horse to the ground. There's really no point. 
Um, yeah. Although I think he's looked better than Deion Lewis over the past couple of weeks. Um, he's at least getting getting forward, getting some yards. Uh, Deion Lewis is going backwards. But I agree that a lot of it is due to the O-line. They're just not getting any help, the running backs are, um, because they're t- the O-line just getting blown off the ball. And in, in this last game against the Texans, it was on both sides. Our D-line was getting uh, was getting just blown off the ball as soon as the ball was snapped, um, and our offensive line was also doing the same. So it's definitely a concern. Uh, I mean, there needs to be changes, but I, I don't. I don't think it doesn't seem like it's coming um, because there, there haven't been any reports. Yeah. Uh, and and we'll keep saying that he's open to the possibility. I, I'm pretty sure that's what he's been saying, uh, but it ha- th- hasn't happened at all. So I wouldn't expect any changes, um, even though it's very clear that they need one. So let's hop into the injury report for each of the teams for this game, Titans versus Jets. Start with the Jets. Uh, the names that pop out, Robbie Anderson, limited participant on Thursday. He, he did not practice at all on Wednesday, so that's an improvement. No practice from safety Marcus May, their second-round draft pick from last season. Both quarterbacks, Josh McCown and Sam Darnold, have been limited all week, so that's really the big wild card. Morris Claiborne mm-hmm. is full, and everyone else is full. So, so those are the big names. What, what stands out to you there? Obviously the quarterbacks, right? Yeah, definitely the quarterbacks, just because you kind of want to know who you're going up against. Um, but I'm not so sure McCown and Darnold are all that dissimilar. Uh, just because they're yeah. kind of these gun, gunslinger types, you know, they 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 throw the they like to throw the ball deep, um, but they they do turn the ball over a lot, um, and they make a lot of tight window throws that um, that are like high risk, high reward. And Mike, so, Mike Vrabel said I, the exact same thing today. I asked him, "How do you prepare when you don't know who the quarterback's going to be?" And he said, "Well, they're kind of the <laughs> same guy." Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the the only difference really is. I mean, McCown's kind of mobile, but he's up there in age. Uh, Darnold is really the more mobile guy. Um, he could beat you a little bit on the ground and on some scrambles. Um, but I think Darnold's more turnover prone uh, at this point in his career yes. than, than McCown is. So I'm not sure who I would rather face. Um, I kind of want to see Darnold. Yeah, that's I just what I how... I want to watch him. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see how he deals with this defense and if this defense could, could fluster him. Um, because his defense has been pretty good for the most part of the season, except for these last two weeks. I mean, I have no idea what has happened. They yeah. Just, they just – so many miscommunications. Um, and it's like, it's, it's like the dam. Yeah, yeah. But but a lot of our players that played very well through most of the season just – they're not making plays. Adoree Jackson has gotten destroyed over the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, aside from a couple of good plays. Uh, our defensive line is non-existent. Our linebackers aren't making plays either, except for, I mean, Jayon has kind of slowed down a little bit over the last two weeks. He did uh, have a Rashawn sack Evans the other day. played well. Yeah, he did have a sack. Um, but um, in run defense, it, we've been pretty bad. But um, uh, we were talking about the quarterback, so the run defense doesn't matter. <laughs> but um, I, I do want to see how our defense plays against a rookie quarterback like Darnold, um, who is... Uh, turnover prone and we really haven't forced a lot of turnovers uh, this season so I would like us to actually have a game where we where we pick off the ball twice maybe get a fumble recovery um, just to get that defense some confidence yeah um, and also give our offense some good field position 
uh, on the Titans end, uh, Mike Vrabel said today that Malcolm Butler practiced in full. He's likely to be cleared tomorrow from concussion protocol, so that's not a concern anymore. Still no Dane Krukshank. No, still no David Fluellen. Um, everyone else is full except for Will Compton. He was added with a hamstring injury, limited participant. Uh, Dane Krukshank, that's a special teams guy. But everything else other than Fluellen looks like it's going to be okay. Yeah, and uh, I I think it's good that that Taewon's coming back, uh, most likely. I mean, he was full both days, um, so he's probably not even going to be on the injury report by the end of it. Um, I I know he's had his struggles he with catching the ball, uh, but I I still think he gives you a pretty nice dynamic on offense. I agree on offense, and it's just it's just another pass catcher. We were down to at one point in the in the Texans game. Uh, I'm not sure. did Sharp finish the game. Because uh, he got injured mid-game, and I think we were he came. To, I think he came back. I feel like he came back. Yeah, yeah. I think he came back. But at one point, we were down to Corey Davis, Darius Jennings, and Cameron Batson as our receivers, and and that was it. Um, so that wasn't ideal. Even though Mariota had a great game, regardless. But um, I, I I do want to see Taewon uh, back in there and uh, send him on some deep routes um, and try to get him on some screens uh, to try to. To, it, this is kind of a tough matchup, actually, for our receivers. Uh, although the Jets' pass defense hasn't been fantastic, uh, they have two really good cornerbacks in Mo Claiborne and um, and Tremaine Johnson. So uh, I'll be interested to see how we do attack them. They're much more vulnerable in the slot. Um, so I, I'd be interested to see um, how Todd J. Sharp does, um, particularly, uh, against, I believe Buster Scrine is their slot cornerback. And he's really the guy that, that most, uh, passing offenses target. So let's talk a little bit about who the Jets are as a team. Look, they're not very good. So I don't feel like breaking down each position group. We'll hit a couple important ones, but in general, I just want to say this, what I said before we started recording, which is, you know, if I'm a GM and you give me a team with, Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunwa and Jamal Adams and Leonard Williams and those two corners you mentioned and Marcus May, I'm like, great, this is an awesome foundation. But then literally everything else is bad. Like, it's not like there's just some average guys filled in. Like, I can't name any of their offensive linemen without looking at a roster sheet. I don't know who they're – I guess Avery Williamson at linebacker and, and, and Darren Lee, the old first-round pick. I don't know who their edge pass rushers are. Right. And that's this team's problem. It's that there's plenty of great talent on this team, don't get me wrong, but the weaknesses are, number one, plentiful, and number two, glaring weaknesses. Yeah, this team is weird because I really, I really don't think they have bad talent. Yeah, or, I, I or like, like look at their, this roster. Talent. I'm like, yeah, I'm excited to watch a lot of these players play. They've got yeah. some really good football players. Yeah, I actually, I actually kind of like their roster, but it, it seems like their coaching is not very good. Uh, Todd Bowles is, is on his way out um, for several reasons, um, especially that that huge loss to the Bills that should have never happened. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it, it's not a bad unit by any means. Uh, they just don't seem to have that great of a defensive scheme, and, and they commit a lot of errors. Um, which it, which has kind of killed them, uh, and also their their quarterbacks have turned the ball over a lot, so that, that kind of 
that kind that's been a reason that the defense hasn't played as well as as maybe they should um just being put in bad situations by their offense um so we'll we'll see if the Titans uh can do that can, can pull off um and use that recipe that other teams have um in order to beat the Jets so often this year um, but yeah, they do have a lot of talent. I, I love Jamal Adams. We all we all kind of did uh, coming out. Uh, if Marcus May plays, that's a fantastic safety pairing uh, to go along with those two cornerbacks that I've talked about. Um, and then they have a, a lot of guys uh, on the interior that are that are very good players. Um, we mentioned Leonard Williams. He's one of the better. Um, defensive tackles or three, four defensive ends out there. Um, and then they have a guy named Mike Pennell, who's actually had a really good season, uh, very disruptive uh, through the middle of the defense uh, in the interior. So uh, I'll be interested to see how the Titans offense does in a game where on paper they probably should struggle a bit, um, but the Jets really just haven't been able to stop many teams. So we'll see how the Titans offense does. I think probably uh... – their strongest position group is maybe the receivers with Anderson and Anunwa, but also mm-hmm. the safeties when both of them are healthy are very, very good too. I mean, Jamal Adams, I wasn't huge on him before the draft because I thought what he did is a little not as important, but he's proved me wrong. He's He's become a much more versatile player than I ever thought he'd be. Yeah, I, I mean, back when the draft was happening uh, – we were we were huge Corey Davis fans, or at least me and, and me and Will. I, ha- I remember were. I had Corey Davis below uh, uh, Zay Jones on my list. Oh man, listen, oh, you, you didn't have to mention it, but uh, I mean we loved him, uh, so we liked that we took him at number five. But I was totally fine with taking Jamal Adams at five. I know a lot of people think that safeties are devalued, uh, and they probably are in today's NFL, but Jamal Adams was just so solid in everything that he did um, that he was one of my favorite prospects. Uh, Plus, he was a great, great kid, great personality, um, and just had a great aura about him. So I really liked him, and I agree that those two safeties, when they play together, they're probably the best unit uh, on the Jets. Um, but but I do like the receivers. A new one in particular is is he was a converted tight end. I think he played tight end at Rutgers, um, and now he's a receiver. Uh, he's really like a big slot guy um, who you can give the ball to um, in, in shorter routes, and he just breaks so many tackles. He's really good. He's dealt with a couple injuries this year, but he's finally back healthy. Um, so he's definitely someone um, to look out for, especially against Logan Ryan, who who's he's not small, but he's on the smaller side. So he's someone that Anuma could take advantage of. Um, Robbie Anderson is really just a burner, um, which might concern us because we've been gun been deep so often this year, especially with Malcolm Butler. Uh, but we'll see if Butler even plays. Uh, and Anderson's been on the practice. Uh, on the injury report, so we're not sure if he's even going to play. Um, and then the, the other guy, he's not a receiver, uh, but he's a tight end. He's a rookie, Chris Herndon. He's out of the University of Miami. Um, he was one of the better tight ends in, in college um, while he was there in Miami, and uh, he's really come on strong as of late. Uh, they've really started using more in the passing game, um, and he's become one of the better tight ends um, probably in the NFL so far. Um, so I, I, they do have, wins. uh, the problem is actually getting them the ball, which they haven't been able to do consistently. So when you look at the Titans, what's a big thing that you think needs to happen for them to win this game? 
Because I, you keep feeding the ball to Corey Davis, right? Because that guy's on fire. Mm-hmm. How do you keep Marcus Mariota from getting sacked? Well, well you got to run the ball. I, I, I don't. You, you need. You need to be able to run the ball. I know, like the running game doesn't really matter as much as it used to in the NFL. But it has to be legitimate, though. It, it can't be a charade. No, yeah, you, you can't just go out there and throw the ball 60 times even though the Steelers do it but they really only do it uh in games where they're where they're behind so but you need to be able to to control the game control the clock um and pick up uh pick up good yards because what we've seen over the past couple of weeks and really just the whole season is we're running the ball frequently I think we I don't know if this is still true but we we were like the team that ran the most on first down, like it was an absurd number, um, which doesn't make any sense because our running game hasn't worked all season. Uh, and what this is doing is putting us in really bad third and long situations, uh, which Mariota usually gets out of. Uh, but a lot of the times um, being in third and long makes Mariota hold the ball longer because he's trying to get his receivers the ball past the sticks uh and that's resulting in a lot of sacks so if you get into these third and six third and five situations it just makes everything better, and it's going to lower the amount of sacks that we're taking uh the problem is our running game is absolutely awful and we can't do that so we either need to pass the ball uh, on first and second down more or just get better at running the ball which i don't have the answer to and you know i, I think do you remember the uh, you do the Dowell Loggins offense, where it was clearly a pass-first offense. They let Ryan Fitzpatrick throw the ball a lot, but every now and then they would run the ball a few times for the sole purpose of balance, right? Because it wasn't very good. Because their running backs were an aging Chris Johnson and the ever ineffective Sean Green. They weren't running the ball thinking that they were gonna, you know the team in a submission they literally ran the ball just so that they could have some semblance of balance and perhaps play action would work that's the mentality that i think matt lafleur needs to have to this running game look abandon these first down runs abandon running the ball in an effort to do something productive run the ball to set up other things because it's not going to work so at least make it not work for a purpose i guess is what i'm saying yeah, and another reason that the Loggins even ran the ball, I it it was very frustrating because Chris Johnson just wasn't all that good uh, towards the end of his his time here in Tennessee. Um, but when he got a sliver of space, he took off all the time. Um, yes, if he, I mean, it was it was like headache inducing to see ten runs go for like nineteen yards, but then that eleventh one either went for 20-plus or even 50-plus, and he scored a touchdown. So it sucks, um, but I'd like to see that, it, it, at least with this team, um, we, either with Dion or Derrick Henry, uh, just getting the prop just to maybe pop one, uh, because when's the last time one of our running backs had a big gain on the ground? When it Derrick Henry had his call game, back. Right? I guess, yeah. Oh, the, right. The, yeah. But uh, the Deion Lewis running against the Chargers, I would say. Yeah, but that wasn't even. The Deion Lewis one wasn't even like a huge hole that he ran through. He just made a bunch of people miss. Uh, the only clear uh, play that 
everyone just blocked their guy and we got a great hole um and the running back took off was that that like you said the you're, one you're, you're thinking the Dolphins of in week one. Uh, i thought you were gonna say the luke stalker one yard play <laughs> dude we didn't even talk about that i can't even i don't know what to say i can't say anything Without Someone told me today, they're like, well, when he got the ball, it looked like he wasn't just hitting the hole. It looked like he was kind of looking to see where he was supposed to run. I'm like, yes, because he's a tight end. He's not a running back. I don't – I I haven't understood this this uh, this need to turn Luke Stalker into an H-back. Uh, this Why season, is he on this team? I don't know. Like, it's just Ferkser and Pruitt are better than him, so I don't know. He's not even a great if blocker. If you don't have he? a fullback, don't use the, the H back. I don't get so. If you don't have a fullback on your team, don't give the ball to whoever is subbing as the fullback. Like if you just want to use Luke Stalker or Ferkser or whoever as your fullback, have at it. Don't let him carry the ball. Yeah. It just it it didn't make sense, um, and, and as much as is maybe you or a lot of people don't like Derrick Henry, he could have gotten a yard there. I mean, even that's the one place he's good is the goal line. Yeah, I know. So I don't get it. And also, we ran a jumbo formation. When's the last time a jumbo run ever worked for the Titans? You would have to probably go back to Mike Malarkey era for that. Like early Mike Malarkey era. Yeah, when DeMarco was actually good. Yeah, that was those were good days back when the Titans had a good running back. Uh, last point about the Titans before we move on. I want to I want to hit on uh, this roster as a whole, but I don't want to sit here and talk about you know, fan speak mock drafts or anything like that. But as in terms of how it applies to this season. I think what we're seeing more and more, especially over these last two games, is that John Robinson is not almighty. He has made some mistakes. One of them, which he was criticized for in the offseason, was not bringing in a veteran receiver. That's something that has to change. But another one is keeping these five offensive linemen together. That one is the one that is really hurting the Titans. And this is going to be a big off season for him because not only do you have to fix, you got to get a running back, you got to get an offensive lineman or two, you got to get edge pass rushers because Morgan and Arakpo are going to be gone next year because they're doing nothing. Yeah, we uh, we came into this year uh, with less holes than we actually thought we had, and we're going to come out with a hole at pretty much every position, and it's except for quarterback, it's not good. Except for quarterback, but I mean, even even you might have a backup quarterback because Blink average is pretty bad. Um, but but we'll oh, see. Yeah. That's re- really really the least of our problems right now. So, like you said, the offensive line is just, just I don't I don't know what you do. I mean, we extended Klein uh, over the off season. That's looking that's looking like a really bad contract extension. Um, and we kind of just extended him. Uh, on a whim because we just assumed he would play better in the zone blocking scheme, and he has regressed mightily. I never so, understood why people thought he would play better in zone. 
Like it's not just like he can't move. like he people can't people move. said the same thing about Andy Levitri when he was here. It's like, oh, he was in the wrong scheme. I'm like, okay. If you can't block, you can't block. I, I was literally about to say, if you can't block, what is the like? Why would it change? And then like, uh, you think about like, no, no, no. if uh, if Taylor Lewan were to have a bad year, well, it's the scheme. If just block. Your job yeah. as a left tackle is to pass protect. And and another thing is zone running scheme blocking whatever that's in the running game. Right in the passing game it's still just block the guy in front of you. There's no pulling in the passing game. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The differences between the blocking schemes are or when you're running the ball. So why are we so bad at blocking uh, on passing plays? That's what's that's what's really concerning. Um, but to go back to, to like the overall roster construction, uh, I'm kind of, oh man, I've been a strong John Robinson supporter for the first two years. Uh, I'm kind of jumping off the bandwagon here in this last one. Uh, a lot of his draft picks are just not working out. Austin Johnson's bad. Uh, Kevin Dodd is no longer on the team. Uh, Conklin, uh, I mean, I, I want to give him a pass for for the ACL, but I, th- I think I think this is just a bad year for Conklin. There's been a lot go wrong for him. You know, he missed the start with the the uh, the leg injury. He had the concussion. I just think that you just wash this year for Conklin. Okay, that's fair. I guess I, I just I was never a huge fan of him. Uh, just coming out. I, I mean, he had a good. He had a good rookie year last year. He he was okay, um, but I just feel like he gets pushed back way too often. Um, and he doesn't he doesn't deal well with like uh, when he gets bull rushed and, and against guys that are really good with their hands. Um, but regardless, whatever that that wasn't a terrible pick. Uh, the Derrick Henry pick made no sense at the time. It still doesn't make sense. Um, I mean, Henry was great his first two years here, uh, but we we barely used him. Uh, and, and when we drafted him, we had already traded a fourth-round pick for DeMarco Murray, um, and DeMarco's a bigger back um, who doesn't compliment Henry at all. So that that didn't that did not make any sense to me, um, and it still kind of doesn't. And then I think the the one indictment of Robinson that that I have at least, um, and I'm sure most people have it too, is just this affinity to keep um, bringing in Patriots players. Listen, I don't care if he scouted them or if he if he drafted them or if he's friends with them or, or whatever. It, it's not working out. I mean, Logan Ryan's been good, uh, but he's gotten burned a good amount of times. He hasn't been like an all-pro. Um, and I don't know if he's he's lived up to his contract value so far. Uh, Malcolm, the Malcolm Butler signing looks like one of the worst signings in free agency history so far. And Deion Lewis has been he's been bad. He he's averaging three point three well, yards. I, I think part of the Lewis problem is he, they're having Fine. to use him more than they would have liked. Yeah, probably. But it just you paid Deion Lewis like uh, I think like a top five, top seven running back in the league, and he just he's not that. Uh, and in addition to to that, Butler and Lewis are almost thirty years old, and you. Can, Four and five-year contracts, they're going to be 32 and 33 by the time their contracts are up. Um, and I don't think – are they even going to make it to the end of their contracts? Right now it doesn't seem like it. Who, who um, again? But I'm, I might just uh, – Butler and Lewis. 
I just, yeah. you know, maybe I'm being pessimistic right now, but it just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. The spot we're in, um, with a lot of these, uh, with a lot of these Ross positions on the roster that are real question marks right now. I will say this. The great part about the NFL is that the contracts aren't guaranteed. And so it's not like a baseball team where you sign a guy for five years and if you don't like him after one, you're stuck with him. If they want to cut Josh Klein, they only have to pay him $3 million. That's Mm -hmm. it. Forever. You cut him the day the season ends, you owe him $3 million. That counts against your cap next year. You save another three. It's over. So it's not like they've hamstrung themselves with this. Okay. Um, that's fair. Uh, and I think if we cut Ben Jones, the dead cap is, it, it, yeah, it's 875000 So that's cheap. But here's the problem. Uh, Spain is also a free, is a free agent after this year. Are you going to go into the offseason with your entire interior just completely vacant? Yeah. It's 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 gonna. I mean, I know they're bad, but you need to. It's gonna be tough. One at least. Yeah, you're right. Um, last thing I want to say before we close out, the rumors that we've heard over the last couple of days, because we're in the time of year where college coaches get fired, and there's rumors, and who's leaving here, and who's going here for a better job. Ken Wisenhunt is interviewing tomorrow to be Georgia Tech's head coach. No. Yes. Yes. And I say this about that. Ken Wisenhunt is a great offensive mind. I give him that. Hard to debate that. He is an unmitigated disaster of a head coach. Right? Because we saw him for two years. He won three games. He won three yeah. games. He, he, was a, coach. he was a jerk. He mismanaged his team. He got his quarterback killed. Why would you want to retread that? I think maybe it'll be different in college, but I don't think so because in college you have way more face time with with your players and after rec- Yeah, but say, you this. think Ken Wisenhunt is going to go recruit people and convince <laughs> yeah. them that they need to come to this tech school? Yeah, I mean to talk too much about his character but he was not the nicest person around uh and he just i didn't like him i didn't like him as a person to be with you. I, we can say anything we want about malarkey's scheme and his time here but mike malarkey was a great man uh and he he i, I was always proud of him whenever I, I i heard him talk or whenever he did something within the community he was a great man i i can't say the same for ken wisenhunt um, so yeah, that's 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 weird that he's interviewing for that position. I saw someone uh, Georgia Tech is s- better than that. Someone said, "Don't ask the Titans for a reference." Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't think we would give him one. Uh, last word about this whole coaching thing in the NFL. I, Vrabel may end up being terrible. He may end up being very good. I have no idea. But I will say this: I respect John Robinson for hiring Vrabel. The same way I respect the Chicago Bears for hiring Matt Nagy, the Cardinals for hiring, what's his name, Steve Wilkes. Because what I can't stand is unless it's one of those rare situations like an Andy Reid thing where it was just kind of, it had been too long, he was there too long, he got fired, Andy Reid's a good coach, whatever. 
these retread coaches. It's fine at coordinator. Bring in the young guys at head coach. Right, because the retreads don't work. Yeah, I think maybe the only the only thing people would say about um, about bringing in Brable is that when you bring in a, a new guy, a younger a younger guy, um, make it an offensive minded guy uh, because yeah. defense just seems like, like it doesn't and that, matter. And that's a totally NFL. fair criticism. Yeah, but he, but he brought in Lafleur, who was a guy yeah. that a lot of people just wanted to be the head coach outright. Yeah, um, because he was the new innovative offensive mind. And look at look at how that worked. Well, I think you got to give him some time. Right yeah, that that would be bad. He, he doesn't strike me as the head coach type. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Hey, but at least we won't lose him to, to head coach job next yes, year, right? Yes, that is correct. He will still be here <laughs> next year. You heard it here first. Uh, th- thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we will be back next week to do a combined episode since the Titans play on Thursday next week. We'll recap the Jets game. We'll preview the Jaguars game. Uh, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Enjoy the game this weekend. There's going to be lots of Titans alumni there. Chris Johnson is going to be the uh, the, the 12th Titan honorary dude. So uh, if you go to the game, enjoy the game. And we will talk to everyone next week. For Matthias Wander, I'm Luke Worsham. Thanks for listening. Uh, talk to you later. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season? Consider it money well spent because you deserve to live your best life and the Chime Checking Account wants to help you live yours to the fullest. A little extra money goes a long way, which is why the Chime Checking Account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and access to over 60,000 easy-to-find and fee-free ATMs. You even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go, including sending and receiving money fee-free with friends that aren't even on Chime. Sign up for Chime today for you and your wallet. Get started at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply.